Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason. I'm a guy who is trying not to get high for the moment, at least. And I am here with... Caroline. Caroline, who I'm going to call Billy all episode. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not. Uh, Billy is at a convention, enjoying himself, having a good time. And so he will not be here this week. So Caroline graciously filled in. And we're going to talk about cliches, right? We did an episode about cliches. I don't know. God, it's probably been a year. And then I said, oh, yeah, it's part one, and we'll do a bunch of these, and and then we haven't. And Caroline reminded me of that. So I, I feel like with addicts, they do one of two things, right? We either do a cliche episode and then do cliche episodes for the next 10 episodes, or we do a cliche episode and say we're going to do it again and then never, ever do it again. So I feel like I have managed to beat that <laughs> and do one <laughs> and then do one a year later. So. We're going to do cliches part two. Uh, Before we get into that, though, a guy reached out to me, and apparently we made a top list for podcasts, and I was kind of excited, right? So this this is on the blog feed spot, um, and I'll have the link in the show notes. But as as I read more about his email, it was the top 80 addiction recovery and rehab (laughs) podcast. And I was like, oh, my God. So I had to go on. I was like, are we 80? Is there only 80? Are we the last one? (laughs) We're 12. Nice. Right. So I was like, that's not bad. So feel free to go check that out. You know, uh, tell that guy, like email him and tell him why we should be number number two, uh, not number 12, or maybe number one, if that's what you think. Or, or maybe if you're looking for other podcasts, right? Go on there and check it out. Uh, have no idea what this guy's criteria were for picking these out. Uh, I don't know if it was numbers or just ones he enjoyed. No idea. But I thought it was cool. So thank you. We also got a a comment on our sponsorship post that I really, really enjoyed. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's extremely long, but it was from, uh, you know, it's hard to tell from Instagram names, but Car or Carrie or Karen or Karen Brief 66. (laughs) I don't know. But it was a a really good attitude about sponsorship. And, And they said that when they go into a sponsorship relationship, immediately the first thing they say is, look, I don't have any rules except one. And that one rule is basically that if you don't feel like this is helping you, tell me. That's all I want to know, right? I want to avoid the awkwardness of you having to feel awkward because you got a new sponsor and you didn't let me know. They're like, you're not committed to me. You're not married to me. I'm just here trying to help, man. And just let me know when that's not working out. And I just, I thought it was kind of beautiful. So that was a nice thing too. Uh, there was one other weird thing, and maybe this you're the person to talk about this with since you are not a white male. Um, <laughs> so I had posted, you know, one of our video clips like I do each week, and someone commented. It was on, I did it on Instagram Reels for the first time. I didn't even know what the hell that was, but whatever. I, I did it, and somebody commented, oh, three white guys, great, or something like that, right? Real sarcastic. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 
this is going to be that discussion. <laughs> uh, so I, I, and, and I don't say that in a mean way. Like I get it, right? Uh, you know, the, I'm on board with being somewhat woke at least. So I was like, look, I, you know, I can't help the way I was born. I was like, but we do try to bring awareness to other topics, minority topics, things that, that are of minority interest in recovery. And I said, hopefully, and we, you know, we learn more about that and we, you know, give it to our listeners. And she commented back. She was like, what do you give to your listeners? The fact that marginalized populations exist. And I was like, unfortunately, probably for some, <laughs> I'm like, but for others, we're just trying to learn and grow and, and get more in tune with everybody. And a couple people like kind of jumped in to our defense, which I've really appreciated because I, I wasn't going to defend us. I was just trying to, you know, explain that we're trying to be on board with helping people out. But that always does hurt my feelings a little bit. It's like, I get that the white male majority has, you know, fucked us all up and and, and the system is rigged and I, I get all this and I believe in it, right? And I want to do what I can to help it. But at the same time, it's like, just because I speak, I'm wrong for being a white male. Like, that doesn't feel good either, right? I, I didn't ask to be a white male. I just got here. Uh, yeah, maybe it's winning the lottery in our lifetime or whatever, but it just, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that as a as a female? Well, I think I think the point they were making was that it was three white males. But I mean, the fact is is you and Billy are white guys. So yeah. unless you want to avoid that entirely, like you would have to never have any white male guests on well, if is. you wanted to always have a more diverse panel which seems like an unrealistic expectation nope, no more white guys yep. I'll, I'll tell billy as soon as he gets back no more white guys in fact billy i might need you to step down <laughs> i would also say a case maybe could be made and i think you've done that with females but maybe less so with with minorities although i don't i don't really know because i don't i don't watch the videos i listen to the the audio um, certainly you guys don't want to get into a place where you're only having minorities on to talk about minority topics right? right um but i don't i don't think you've done that i don't i don't really know because again i i haven't really i don't watch the videos so i don't often know what time what what someone's race is i just right. am listening to the topic well so, and we're a function of our county as well right mm -hmm. like not that we don't have people on on video um, conferencing software because we do at times, but honestly, Billy and I both prefer not to. It's so much more fun to have people in person. It's there's something about Zoom and and Meet, and I find this when I'm doing therapy too. That it's like that there's just that space where there's the delay, and I don't know if they're about to talk or I'm about to talk, and it just doesn't mesh up. And it's it's more fun to cut people off in person for me. <laughs> so I. We're in a county where right. there's mostly white guys. I mean, that's just how it is, unfortunately. But yeah, maybe I guess that is. You've given me something positive to think about and, and take in and be introspective about where I feel like that's not what I got from the comment right. from the individual on Instagram. So right. I always appreciate a chance to look at myself and, and try to be better. Well, I think the other thing that's interesting, and, and this goes to the broader issue, because when I think about the number of people that I know in recovery, the majority are white. Mm -hmm. And that's because I tend to, and I don't know, I listened to the, the conversation you had with Sylvia. I don't remember mm -hmm. the name of that episode. Me I don't know if this came up or not, but there's certainly, when I think about Hartford County, 
Cecil County, Baltimore, there are areas, there are, are sections of all of those regions, areas that tend to be more white or more black. And, right. and um, you know, I don't think we, we don't tend to have a large number of any other kind of population in this area in, in NA. Hmm. Um, would you disagree? Uh, Baltimore's got some hispanic population but i don't it's with the baltimore itself has a huge hispanic population but i don't think there's a lot of yeah i don't know what that culture is doing to address there do they just not have addicts what the fuck maybe we need to look to them because i don't see them (laughs) right them asians there's not a ton of asians in in our meetings um yeah so that's i mean that's a whole nother issue but yeah i mean there's definitely air within all of our kind of the Susquehanna area. There's certainly meetings that do tend to have a higher population of, of one race or another. Right. Um, and that's a broader issue, I think, which Redlining. certainly is not um, right. Yeah, yeah. Certainly not the scope of this episode, but not at all. Not at all. <laughs> and on that note, we should probably get back to our, our cliche. So we talked about some cliches in part one, uh, of this dialogue and, and just basically talking about the idea of like, are they stupid? Are they redundant? Are they helpful? Uh, could they be used for people outside of a 12 step program? Like, could they just be useful in daily life? And, and so I think that's where we're going again with this. So uh, are they useful? Are they stupid? And do they apply to people that don't call themselves addicts is basically uh, our focus here. So the, so really quickly, I do want to comment, I think on the last the last episode, and if I had been better prepared for this, I would have re-listened to the cliche episode because it's been six, nine, maybe even longer than a year since I listened to it. Um, but I do think you guys, you, you tackled Time Takes Time. Yes. I love that one. Do you? I use that one a lot with sponsors. It's so meaningless. Yes. I don't think it is. I think there's... Um, a deeper level of meaning on its surface. It's very like, duh, but food is food. (laughs) Um, For me, it's really talking about like, you can't expect yourself to be further along than you can reasonably get in a certain amount of time and a certain amount of work. Like you can do everything you possibly can in this moment to grow and develop yourself. But it, it, it still takes that time. That's, I think, to me, what it means. Yeah, it's it's got some some deeper philosophical, you know, connotation to it. But it it's just I don't know. Just I reading like it, it, time takes time. Yes, yes, it does. I mean, we could say it, it sounds like somebody tried to sound profound one time. Is my problem? We could just say. <laughs> It takes time to get to that place, right? We don't have to say time takes time. Like that's like, okay, all right, cheese ball. I know I find, I've found myself over the years saying it with Sponsies specifically. And I can't tell you the first time I heard it, but it's something that is very intuitive to me in the midst of specific conversations, but it does of course require follow-up. You can't just drop that and that be the end. I mean, (laughs) you have to explain it a little bit, which I guess maybe, maybe that is the problem with it, right? Like maybe a good cliche doesn't require any explanation. Well, and and maybe for some 
people, that one doesn't need explanation. And that's when it's kind of that hit. It's like, oh, time takes time. I get it now, right? And and just to disclaimer these, I probably use all these goddamn cliches <laughs> in my dealings with people in NA and, and outside of that. Um, I just, we're evaluating them at surface level for me, at least. Uh, so even the ones I say are shit, I probably say all the time. I probably tell people... <laughs> On a weekly basis, time takes time. Do you really, though? Probably. Really? Well, because of therapy. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Throw out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it makes you sound kind of profound. Too. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's start with it's a simple program for complicated people. I've heard this when I first got clean a lot more than I do now. I don't ever hear this anymore, actually. It's a simple program for complicated people. Are we complicated people? Is it a simple program? Yeah, I don't love this one. I don't know. Like, is it? I, I guess the idea of the simple program is just don't pick up. But that sounds like just say no and Nancy Reagan. Right. Which doesn't work. <laughs> it's a simple pl- program if you look at like the, what is it? Like the seven suggestions. Go to meetings. Get a sponsor. Get involved, get in home group, pray. I already said go to meetings. There's don't more of up. these. I, don't pick up. There's another one. I, <laughs> I feel think. like you could just do that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. If you're following those kind of core suggestions, it is a simple program. I think it becomes more complicated. The more complicated it becomes, the more growth you're going to recognize and realize. Mm. Um. But I don't think that we're any more complicated people than any other human. You know, I, I, that's where I, I struggle. I get, um, you know, I think we we put ourselves into this like, oh, we're so different from all other humans. And what is that like the um, terminally hip and fatally cool. cool? Like we're so different. That's That's Tragically part of the slick. whole... <laughs> that's part of the whole issue is this like feeling of uniqueness yes exactly yeah. exactly and i don't think we're more complicated than other people out there the other one that there's another one that is along those lines that says something like well people will say like addicts are the smartest people have you heard that yeah. like where people will say like addicts are so smart like such a smart group of people that's our problem I've met some really dumb addicts. Ouch. I've met some really dumb addicts in recovery. Mm. I don't know that I would agree that as a whole, we have a proportionally higher IQ than than the normal population. I want to see this study now. I don't know that there is a study. No, no, I'm good. I'm just, I want to see somebody research this. I would be curious. Yeah. Because I kind of maybe have held on to that belief just a little bit. And I don't know that it's true for any particular reason. Right. But I would be curious now. Are Do people who abuse drugs and alcohol for a portion of their life, are they skewed towards a higher IQ? Because I've always thought it made sense. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all that overthinking and, you know, dissecting myself and self-hatred and, and maybe even this point of, uh, just past this IQ level that allows you to see that life is kind of meaningless. 
It's like, okay, well, why the fuck am I doing it then? Why just get up and go to work every day if life is meaningless? And so all those questioning ideas have led us to to a life of drugs. That's been my perception, but I might have been just justifying some shit that I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think we certainly have some pretty intelligent people amongst our ranks. But I think the opposite is true as well. I think it spans the gamut just like it does in Mm. the, the broader population. So... Billy would say that we are definitely a microcosm of the society, so Mm -hmm. there's probably no difference there, but he does tend to lean towards us being different slightly. Like, he thinks, it's not so much that we're different than people, but there's something about us that takes some of these traits of people to some kind of extreme that normal people don't, and I I don't know that I believe that personally, but I think that's what he always tries to tell me. Yeah, I you know, I think a lot of it is is situational too. Like I was <laughs> I don't know if this is relevant or not, but I was listening to um like a like a audiobook of Brené Brown's um and she was talking about, you know, some of her childhood trauma growing up and then she was talking about how, you know, she she had some issues with substance use. But then she talked about how she kind of like reined that in. And I looked at that in in counterpoint to to my life. And I kind of was able to almost draw this line where I said, okay, well, she had childhood trauma that looked like this. But I had childhood trauma that looked like this. And maybe that's the difference. So I think I don't I, I, I don't know. I think that there is a lot of situational things in our lives that push us to the extreme of that expe- that spectrum. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? I don't know if I'm if I'm speaking very clearly. Yes. Okay. So are any people complicated or are we all simple? No, I think most people are complicated. I think most people are complicated. So that would kind of make this whole true simple program for complicated people i guess but we the i think the root of the cliche is that addicts are the complicated people not that all people are complicated because otherwise it would follow that the program is for everyone and i don't think that's the intent of the cliche assholes anonymous (laughs) said we needed it forever uh yeah I, i don't know so what should we say it's a complicated program for complicated people it's a simple program for simple people who think they're complicated people it's a simple program if you follow the suggestions that's boring sorry i know all right simple program for complicated people it gets a thumbs down i guess we're never i'll never say it again until tomorrow (laughs) uh the newcomer is the most important person at any meeting this is one i definitely wanted to talk about i'm actually a little sad billy can't talk about this one because i think he hates this really yeah yeah, I agree with this one. You agree? I do. Damn, we can't argue because I tend to agree with it too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that they are at a point of the highest risk and the deepest mm. desperation. So I agree with the concept that the newcomer is the most important person at the meeting, but not really because I think the newcomer is the most important person at the meeting. Hmm. Does that make any sense at all? Not at all. Right. That's a time takes time. Yeah. So (laughs) I think if all of us view the newcomer as the most important person at any meeting, like this cliche suggests, then 
any person that's not a newcomer who is struggling is going to get outside of their struggle by prioritizing helping someone else, aka the newcomer, with their struggle. And I feel like that's the solution to most of our problems is to stop being so stuck in them. And so if we all just follow the cliche, I think it works. I don't actually think the newcomer is the most important person at the meeting. I don't know that there is a most important person at any meeting. It actually sounds like something a cult would say. Oh, we need new members. The newcomer is the most important member. (laughs) (laughs) Got to rein them in, right? The ones who are curious. But yeah, I think it works well in practice for everybody. Yeah, I, I think I'm coming at it from the perspective of the newcomer's problems nine times out of 10 are the most critical and life-threatening problems in the meeting. And that's what makes them the most important person. Because if we're looking at it from the perspective of at at the very core of recovery, we're trying to keep people from dying, then those are the ones that are, are most at risk of that. I'm realizing that you coming on the show tends to make me be an asshole and i don't know what it is about that <laughs> no because i so i don't know i mean i say stuff to billy that's kind of not maybe i'm just an asshole maybe it's really i mean i don't you. think you're being an asshole i know but i'm about to be I'm thinking okay so. okay go go <laughs> so and and this is hard right because uh i know that this has affected your life recently and greatly but i don't look at recovery as a cure for death I don't think of it that way. I don't think of death as as much as it hurts those who are left behind. I don't think of it as a bad thing or a wrong thing to happen. And so when you say that the newcomer's life situation puts them at greater risk or, or you know, stuff like that, like I don't tend to buy in that that means that they're more important because I don't look at that as actually a terrible thing or or a wrong thing or like to me that's just life and and that same guy could get clean and get hit by a bus because he was clean right whereas he wouldn't have been in that location if he was still getting high so it's like i don't i get it the statistics skew towards people overdosing more than getting hit by a bus but i just don't look at it the same way yeah i think i mean i think that's a major difference of opinion between you and i and i think certainly um, you know, my husband's passing has made that even more forefront for me is like that is a very real ramification of the disease. That is to me, that's the worst case scenario of of this disease because any other scenario that that happens as a result of addiction, there is always a a chance to redeem yourself from that, right? Like the death is that's final, that's done. Um for this it, life. What was that? For this portion of life. Yes. Yeah. Which, yeah. And again, I think, you know, we've talked about this before. That comes back to our kind of broader perspectives around, um, you know, what is or isn't out there, what what is or isn't, I, I mean, that higher level philosophical perception of life and, and what it is. I guess for me, it, it, in a very simplistic past tense way, it's really easy to just say everything happens that's supposed to happen because if it wasn't supposed to happen, it wouldn't have. Right. Yeah, and, and I, I know that's an awful thing that. for some people to hear. Um, so you think we can like just change everything? We can change events and 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think anything's preordained. Um, that's not an awful thing for me to hear because I don't believe it. So well, <laughs> I don't care that you say it. No, I mean, I, I think people that have recently lost loved ones are tend to be more sensitive to that concept. It's like, or, or, or even Billy. Billy's a little sensitive to it with the idea that like, you know, some things happen in his family. Right. And, and he's like, that wasn't supposed to. Ha-. And I'm like, ah, I kind of feel like it is. I feel like we're going we get exactly what we need to fully grow and live our life. Yeah. I would say I think even for people who believe to some degree in fate or that there is a higher power that has kind of the ultimate control over everything that happens, your belief that um, the soul asks for what it gets <laughs> is it even further level of that's, um that's the book I, fate. I don't know that i completely buy into that but <laughs> okay. i do like it <laughs> um yeah i i think the people probably who struggle with hearing that are people who generally would have believed it prior to whatever event happening mm. right i think that's very triggering for them because they're probably internally already struggling with with that dissonance right. and then bringing it to their attention um I mean, I think generally within the population to go up to someone who someone close to them just died or they just experienced a traumatic event and say everything happens for a reason. Most people would agree that that is not the appropriate time to say something like that. We're really what cliche were we talking about? (laughs) Something about something. Yeah, we're really far from that. We are. I I guess, uh, I don't know. And it brings up a topic I was actually thinking of on the way over here. Oh, the newcomers are most important. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, And that's how this podcast goes, of course. Um, But I want to explore the topic of things that happened in life that were completely not what we wanted, right? Whether this was like we prayed to not have this situation or outcome happen or just we're completely against it or it's the last thing we would have put on our list of things we wanted to happen. And then they worked out extremely well for us somehow. Right. Because I have quite a few of those experiences in my life. And I don't, I mean, do you just, I want to do that episode in the future, right? I'm just curious, like, do you consider that all random and chance or am I making the most out of a bad thing or? Yeah. I mean, I think humans are incredibly adaptable. And um, we don't ever know what the road, what the fork in the road would have brought otherwise. So it, it's it's probably good practice to say, oh, you know, I'm I'm happy that that happened because it it brings me to where I am now because it alleviates you from regret, mm. um, resentment, a lot of those negative kind of looking back in the past actions that can really taint your day-to-day life but yeah i mean i don't think anything happens for a reason other than um i I can't think of the word i'm looking for like obviously like if i put my glass my my cold glass down on a table and it and the table gets wet the table got wet for a reason because of the condensation from my cold glass so that kind of stuff yes but like from a like a, a preordained someone decided the table was going to get wet and that's why the table got wet. No. Someone definitely decided condensation was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I, I guess I don't know. I, and I don't think of it just as like a comfort thing. I think of it as like I have tried to explore in my head all the possible other outcomes that could have came out of me not going through this situation I did not want. And I'm like, yeah, they would have all been way fucking worse than this. But you have it's no like, idea. It's like Dr. Strange thinking through those 14 million possible whatever. I don't know Dr. Strange. Oh, my God. Yeah, but I, yeah, you have, you have no ability to. I mean, I you can't see the future. You can't see the alternative If futures. I'm at 100% happiness, it couldn't have been any better. Right, but it could have been the same amount of happiness. Mm. And do we ever know what 100% happiness is? Yeah. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> right now. You think you are, but maybe there's more. I don't know that that's quantifiable. Oh, so what are we deciding about the newcomer's the most important person in any meeting? Do we Are we keeping this? I, I think I we mean, keep we it. We both like it for different reasons. Yeah. I so... just, I feel like people always are going to argue, the newcomer's not more important than me. And I don't think anyone argues that. I've definitely heard that. Really? Mm-hmm. Specifically, not more important than me. Well, and and I don't, I mean, a lot of times they frame it in the concept of, well, what if an older timer is struggling or somebody else in the meeting is having a really rough time right now? They're just as important, right? In fact, they might be more important because they might be my buddy for the last seven years and this newcomer just walked in the goddamn door. And if they're both in danger of using tonight, my buddy with seven years is much more important to me. To you. But that so then I guess the question is, is it to, more important personally or more important from a broader fellowship perspective or program perspective? Yeah, I, I don't know what it's saying. It just says the newcomer is the most important person in any meeting. It's very vague. Yeah. I mean, I think the beauty of our program is that we have the ability to meet the needs of more than one person. So just because the newcomer is the most important person at the meeting doesn't mean that that person who's been around a little while that is struggling can't get their needs met as well or can't be helped as well. So I don't, is this even in our literature? I don't think this is in our literature, is it? I don't know. That's a really good question. It might be in the basic text. Billy might know this. I don't know this. Yeah, I don't know it either. I I feel like somewhere in our literature it talks about our recovery must come first. Like personal recovery yes. depends on NA unity, right? Stuff like that. But like we're the like people would argue like because of that, that statement that is definitely in the literature, we are the most important person at any meeting. Period. Doesn't it's not about the newcomer. Like it's I'm there. I'm the most important person there for my recovery. But again, that goes back to the your personal sense of importance versus the group's sense of importance well the only reason the newcomer will be the most important person for the group sense of importance is to continue na well that's important too cult <laughs> <laughs> definitely cult All right. i mean i will say like for me recently even though i believe philosophically that this is true it's not something that i'm like i i'm at a point in my recovery where i'm actively seeking meetings that are not newcomer focused you know you and i have had this conversation right where i'm really been looking for meetings where um the the struggles the newcomer quote-unquote newcomer cliche struggles are not the topic of the meeting because i don't want to hear it Hmm. it's it's triggering for me 
you Isn't know, that contradictory to you believing in this statement. Though? Yes, exactly. So that's why I'm bringing it up. Oh. So, at, but again, this is this is personal versus the group, right? right? So for me personally, and here's the thing: I still personally believe the newcomer is the most important person at any meeting. I want to go to meetings where there are newcomers hmm. because I want to hear about how you're applying the principles of recovery in your life today. I don't want to hear about your last day using. I don't want to hear about your cravings. I don't want to hear about those kind of like stay clean or not stay clean struggles because it's triggering for me with, you know, it all comes back to, to my husband who passed Mm. and, and that's just not, that's not where I'm finding value today. And, and I know that that's selfish. I had someone ask me a couple of weeks ago if I wanted to go to a meeting with her that was, um, you know, mostly newcomers. And I declined. I said, that's, I, I, that's not what I'm looking for right now. Um, and I feel justified in doing that because I've been around here for 16 years making the newcomer the priority and 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 making sure that I am showing up at meetings and sharing my experience, strength and hope for the benefit of the newcomer. And I mean, I still have my H&I commitment, which is another reason I can justify that because I'm like, I'm giving back to the newcomers that way. For me, my normal meetings during the week, I don't I don't want that to be on me. I want to get what I need for me. And I don't want that to be my responsibility right now. And again, I feel I feel justified in checking out from that kind of responsibility of a member with with long-term recovery because I did it for so many years and like I feel like I just need a break, but it 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 is a little interesting. Like I still believe the newcomer is the most important person, but I don't really want to be where they are. Like I want to be somewhere else. What happens if there's two newcomers at the meeting? Then they're both the most important person. They're both the most important person. That doesn't even sound right. The newcomer does not indicate singularity, does it? Yeah. It does? If It would be newcomers, if not. The newcomer, right. Okay. Is it the person with the least clean time? The newest member? So, is it the person, if you got a guy with three weeks and a guy with one week, is it the guy with one week or... If the guy with one week's been there to seven meetings and the guy with three weeks, this is his first meeting, is he the newer member? Like, now we're really quantifying. Right. And, what if and, there's two old timers and five newcomers in a meeting? How do you help the five newcomers if we say they're all equally important? There's new, I mean, those old timers <laughs> better be doing some damn good sharing, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, and how do you define newcomer, right? Because I would honestly. At this point in my recovery, I would define anyone with less than a year as a newcomer less easily. Than five years. Yeah, I mean, a case could be made for that too. <laughs> um, the newcomer. I, I still feel like that is not like it does not indicate a single person. I think it's a broad category. Mm, it could be this category called the newcomer, but it still doesn't. I don't know. Doesn't fit. I, there's people that have like more than 20 years that want to start meetings for only people who have more than 20 years. And I'm guessing that's allowed, kind of. As long as you don't actually turn people away. I think that's still in the spirit of traditions. But I mean, their point is less that it, they're triggered and more that they just can't fucking relate. Right. 
I think it's a fair point. Like I get it. The longer I stay clean, the less I understand about the recovery house and the the different drugs they're using. And I can't relate to what they're talking about, but I think it, it makes it difficult for the newcomer to find help. But I mean, I went to a meeting not that long ago uh, with a buddy of mine and it was a lot of newcomers and I didn't know what the hell anybody was talking about. I'm like, (laughs) fuck are y'all saying down here? Kratom and Suboxone and I'm like, I, I don't get it. And I don't understand your problems no more. And I don't know how to help you. And, and it didn't really seem like any of them. I don't want to say it didn't seem like any of them were looking for help. They were not looking for help from like people with a lot of clean time. They were just hanging out in groups and they came to the meeting to hang out and they were leaving hanging out. And I was like, okay, I guess, I don't know. I don't get it anymore. It doesn't look like it looked when I got here. I certainly have my opinions Mm. on Suboxone and Gratum, and I have experience with those items as a result of people I know care about love having experience. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't, I I was never on either of those substances. Um, And it's been a really long time since I've been to a meeting that's filled with newcomers because I'm actively avoiding that. So I don't know if I would. I mean, I think there are parts of the newcomer experience that I still can relate to and remember to a degree, but it is very disconnected. Fair enough. So I don't even think they had Suboxone when you were using, by the way. Um, they had it they had when I got clean. No, Suboxone. Well, yeah. I, no, they had something that people could take every day that was mm. Suboxone based. I didn't find out about it until I had like two months clean. My experience, I don't remember. Like, there was, I definitely was not aware of any Suboxone. Uh, but I remember buprenorphine being somewhere towards the end of my story. Like, that was what they were given in detox. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you take this for three days. It wasn't. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Forever. Every treatment center I went to, you got bup. It was so much better before that. But why? what did they give you before that? All kind of good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I went somewhere and I was on Librium, I think. Yeah, Yeah. that's just like. Holy shit. I think I walked into a soda machine. Like, it was beautiful. (laughs) I was like, this is the best detox ever. I think I got, I got Librium somewhere, but that's not, that's not an opiate. It's like a benzo. Whatever. I liked it. (laughs) Yeah, but it doesn't. I mean. It doesn't fix the withdrawal symptoms the way an opiate. I'm sure or they opiate. gave some other stuff for yeah. that, but I just I felt it was fun. <laughs> I definitely got Librium somewhere, and that was during the bup days. Because uh, I only went I only went to treatment from like eighteen to twenty, so that was two thousand two to two thousand four five. Mm. So they definitely, yeah, they definitely had bup at every place I went to. Now they didn't always give it to you. Like one time I detoxed at a at a um, psych hospital. They didn't give me anything like that there. They gave me like they gave me like garbage. I don't think I've been to treatment since two thousand one. Really? Yeah. So I don't remember. I do remember bup being there? I thought. What year did you get clean? Two thousand three. Okay. Yeah, you were two years ahead of me then. Yeah. The last couple of times were prison, though. Okay. 
No detox. They give you nothing. <laughs> right. Here's your magic air pill. <laughs> you could sometimes get Advil if you, you pushed hard enough. Dude, they yanked and fucked my jaw all up, pulling a tooth and wouldn't give me anything but ibuprofen. Like, I mean, my jaw was swelled up like a baseball was in it for like a week. Nothing. No pain meds. Just bleed it out, son. Okay, thanks. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we'll we'll keep that one, even though we don't really know the definition of the newcomer. Or that, what it means that they're most important, like or, I, or why it matters, right? Yeah, whatever. We'll just keep it because it seems to work. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Learn to listen and listen to learn. What do you think? I've heard this one before, but I still have to like Think it out in my head to make learn sense of it. To listen and listen to learn. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Sounds basic. Yeah. I don't know how much value it adds. I feel like there's some old slickster just popping these mm-hmm. off at a meeting somewhere, right? You got to learn to listen and listen to learn, youngin. <laughs> yeah. And I can't, I mean, I definitely heard it before, but I can't think of any instances where I've heard someone say it in a meeting. Certainly not recently. Um, I think both statements are true. I think they've been combined and use alliteration to sound super smart. Well, listen to learn is one of the most basic concepts on earth, right? That's what we do when people teach us out loud. Like well, we listen to learn. I don't know. A lot of people listen to respond. Mm, okay. So you're saying it's listening. Active with a listening. purpose to yeah. learn. Mm-hmm. And not to contradict or argue back or... Or just get your smart thing in next, which most of us do. See, and that's interesting. So that kind of is important. I was thinking the other half was more important, learning to listen. But I guess that kind of ties into that too, right? Right. Because I think a lot of us hear, but we don't listen. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we're listening to respond. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole thing is about active listening, but it's just said in a way that's... I struggle with making sense of it. Like, even though I've heard it many times, I had to like really slow it down and think through every part of it to wrap my head around what it's trying to say. So I don't know. Nobody is sitting in a meeting and getting the same reaction to this as, as time takes time. Like times take time takes time is giving you that hit, right? That's like, Oh, that just hit me in the gut. Right. Right. You hear this one and you're like, Wait, oh, yeah. wait a second. Yeah, what, cool. what is that? What? Learn to listen. And you have to break it down. Yeah. It's not like an intuitive, automatic. Right. And and I mean, you might use it again, but it's it's just not going to give you that 
bam. Oh, right. I heard the shot. Tonight. Right. Because I think it was it was created to sound catchy, not created to necessarily right. drive home a strong point. That's dumb. But I guess we'll keep it because it's good. Meeting makers make it. And then the counter, meeting makers make meetings. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I've never liked the statement but i think most of my recovery i've not been what most people would consider a meeting maker so that might be why yeah i mean i think being a meeting maker in early recovery is a critical my experience is that is a critical component of staying clean in early recovery but i don't i think the point when people say meeting makers make meetings is that that can't be the only piece of the pie like you have to be doing more than just going to a lot of meetings i got a meme about this coming out this week oh yeah mm. <laughs> is it scheduled you got a scheduled post on it no but i got like five or six made up that i know are coming out this okay. week and that's one of them <laughs> i like it it's a pawn shop guy okay okay <laughs> stay tuned okay. um but yeah no i i agree i mean i i think the program is not meetings it's the 12 steps. That's where the life-altering experience happens. I personally got a lot of value out of going to meetings early, early on, even though I ultimately relapsed that time. But I, I did. like That was why I stayed clean as long as I did. It was because I hit so many meetings. It was around people, had a new positive influence. I get that meetings are a good reminder of what I need to do for myself and of comparing in and not isolating. But just the idea that uh, our program has literature that says staying clean in isolation, right? For the loner, for the guy who's in a place where there are no meetings and that that can possibly work means that this statement's kind of bullshit. Yeah, but it's so much harder. It's so much harder to do this in isolation than it is with a, a group of People who can support you around you. It depends. How isolated? Are there no drug dealers? Because you might be safe. <laughs> if you're really isolated. I mean, you don't need drug dealers to, to relapse. There's lots of ways to relapse without a drug dealer. I'm picturing, for some reason, whenever I've heard the loner staying clean in isolation, that pamphlet, I always picture somebody in like an igloo in Alaska. Right. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm like, yeah, they're not getting high. They get high off ice. Ice. That's a drug. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there's a grocery store nearby, they can get high. If there was like a, a mechanic auto supply, they can get high. Get so, high at the mechanic? Well, yeah, starter fluid. Mm. Yeah, that's definitely a relapse. Huffing starter fluid is Make sure I don't frowned do that upon. Anymore. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, yeah, so you don't, you don't need drug dealers to get high. You literally can use in total isolation as long as there is... Uh, a place to purchase household chemicals. So to me, this is like, I feel like this cliche is used or useful. Which cliche are we talking about again? Meaning makers make it. Ah, uh, yeah. I have a bad, it's probably the starter fluid. Right. All that damn starter <laughs> fluid. Can't remember what we're talking about. I feel like this is used or useful when there's an individual that seems to choose other things over meetings right like a person whose priorities are kind of out of line maybe for what we would hope they would be for recovery like we we assume that the 12-step program has got to be the top priority and that's where you got to be to to stay safe 
right? I don't know that that's always true. Um, just a case in point, I sponsored a guy. He had two kids, a wife and shit. And he's like, I feel like something's wrong. I'm only hitting like one meeting a week, this, that, and the other. I'm like, yeah, but are you home like being responsible and being a good dad and a good husband? Like that's your situation is not the norm. A lot of people have lost their kids or don't have kids or don't have any of those responsibilities. Like they probably need to be here six or seven days a week. You, I mean, if you're staying in contact with me and you're hitting your home group and you're doing these things, that sounds like recovery to me. And so I wouldn't have said to him, meeting makers make it, right? I didn't think it was right for him. But when people are actively like, when they come across as being somebody who's like, oh, I'm not going to hit the meeting tonight. My, I want to watch some Netflix. or and, and not that that's wrong every time, right? But early on, maybe that's not the idea, right? I don't want to come out and hang out tonight. I'm going to go see this girl or something. Uh, you know, this girl that probably is still using, like those are the people where I'm going to be like, Hey, maybe meeting makers make it right. But I'm thinking maybe in that context of understanding where it's a useful statement, maybe then we understand what might be more useful. Like, Hey, can we look at your priorities about what you're thinking? Cause a lot of people that, you know, put these other things before recovery, there's another good cliche, whatever you put before your recovery fits in the cooker or is the first thing you lose or right. something like that. So I just feel like maybe that's a more relevant one for the purpose. I, I don't know where else we would say meeting makers make it except for people who have out of whack priorities. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like it's one that I would ever say one on one to a person. It's a little too trite. You're going to drop it in your share, though? No, but I hear people. <laughs> I hear that's where I hear it. I mm. hear it in meetings. I don't hear it on a spoken one-to-one -one basis. Like, I don't think anyone's ever directly said that to me. Of course you hear it in meetings, Caroline. <laughs> Nobody outside the meeting is like, meeting makers make it. No, but like literally <laughs> in the hour-long meeting in the church is right. where I hear people say it, not on a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, I think, you know, the question is also, how do we define a meeting maker? If your sponsee's going to its home group every week, then technically he is a meet meeting maker. He's making that meeting on a weekly basis. So, I mean, I've always looked at it as a, like, oh, you know, nightly or nearly nightly thing. But one could argue that just having a regular cadence of attending meetings makes you a meeting maker. Those who keep coming to our meetings regularly stay clean. People say this wrong, in my opinion, all the time. They're like, you have to go to meetings regularly. And I'm like, that's not what the statement says. Because <laughs> they'll argue about, what. well, what is regularly? If it's once a week for you, is it three times a week? I'm like, it has nothing to do with that. Those who keep coming to our meetings regularly stay clean mm -hmm. is the point of that right. statement. So I, we just, I don't know. It's a pet peeve of mine. I, I hear that all the time. People are like, what's going to meetings regularly mean? I'm like, no, it's keep coming to our meetings. Those who keep coming to our meetings. Regularly, regularly stay, clean. stay clean is the second part. I don't think that's true at all. I don't think that's true at all. I don't either. Yeah. But that's what it says. Yeah. No, I think that's valid. Um, I don't know. I, I think they have a point, though, because people who use don't come back regularly, usually. There's lots of people who do, though. I never understand them. What's wrong with you? I got better things to do if I'm high than go to sit around a bunch of clean people. My my husband was like that. He would use and keep going to meetings. Really? And keep it on the DL. Yeah. I'm baffled by that. I think it depends on, like, where your where your um ties lie mm. you know at the time he was in a relationship with me so he had to keep up that farce of being clean or attempting to but yeah 
Uh, not me yeah no me neither yeah. i'm ducking out of everything if i'm yeah. using like yeah. don't even text because i'm not yeah. responding yeah don't bother yeah you're gonna waste your time that's the last place i want to be if i'm using i did go to a meeting high once or twice did you my parents I, yeah. I think like would drop me off and i'd be high and need to like keep up keep up appearances for my parents yeah. so yeah i think that's probably what drives a lot of that we we keep getting like way off topic so much so that I keep I remember the cliche this time but that's good. This is one I don't hear, but I actually like it. I don't know if I've I think I've heard this a couple times, but I I don't know that I considered it a cliche. People who don't go to meetings don't hear about what happens to people who don't go to meetings. Yeah, I've never heard this before. No? I saw I saw it on the list you sent me, I love but it. yeah, I've never heard that before. People who don't go to meetings don't hear about what happens to people who don't go to meetings. That's not true. Sure it is. No, they're like using with the people who don't go to meetings. They all know what's going on. Maybe. We maybe. don't hear about the people who don't go to meetings. No, we we hear about what happened to the people who don't go to meetings. The gossip sometimes, is quick. Sometimes. Usually. Not always. A lot of times we don't. Well, I think this statement stems from the idea that like we see so many people come back in right oh it didn't get any better what happened well i stopped going to meetings I, I, right uh and so i i kind of like it just because it's kind of slick personally uh, this is one of those slick ones i do like for some reason but i think the opposite is also true because i held for a long time especially before social media that like everybody that went out was either miserable using or they were working their way back right because that was my experience people a lot of people do come back through the rooms after they relapse or, or go back out or whatever you want to call it. But now that social media exists and it's easier to stay in touch with people, this is not true all the time, right? right. There are people who walk away and I, I guess they're fine. I don't know. I don't know how wonderful their life is or miserable it is, but they're not coming back. Um, and so I would say the opposite of this is kind of true too, right? Like people who leave meetings People who are go to meetings uh, don't hear about what happens to people who leave meetings and are happy, basically. Something along those lines. Yeah. And I think the 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 one that you read, people who don't go to meetings don't hear about what happens to people who don't go to meetings is BS. We hear about it if they come back and start going to meetings again. Well, in Cecil County, maybe. In like Dundalk, where the people who are using, are, you drive by them every day because they're on Dundalk Avenue or, you know, you still kind of keep in touch with them somehow through, like people knew. We heard all the stories long before they ever came back. So we definitely knew what was going on. I don't know. I mean, most of my recovery was in Harford County. I did do some like East Baltimore meeting, but I wasn't living down there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've never been in a situation where like. I necessarily knew what happened to, you know, Joe Smith when he just stopped coming oh, yeah. to meetings. Yeah. We all knew. We all knew. And if we didn't know, we knew. <laughs> well, you assumed. Yeah. Yeah. But but most of the people you knew. I mean, you saw them around. You saw them high. You saw them not out on a bus stop. Like, it was pretty evident. Somebody would see them. There's just too many damn people down there. Um, but don't the people who stop coming to meetings, they're hanging out with other people. Who aren't going to meetings. So that is the, the very true part. That people who don't go to meetings know exactly what happens to people who don't go to meetings. Know exactly well, they're, they're what's happening it. to. Well, they are those people, right? Exactly. So and then also 
likely if you're getting high in a specific area, you're interacting with a number of people who have been in any meetings at some point and no longer are. So I think the, the and, and maybe that wasn't true when I was out there, right? It wasn't quite as universal of a of a program back then, I don't think. But I, I mean, you used to assume if you didn't see people out on the strip that they were locked up or dead. Like, oh, I ain't seen so-and-so for a week. Like, nobody understood that you could go to somewhere and get clean. <laughs> like, oh, he's an NA? I've never heard of that. But I, I guess the point of this would be to people who, like, don't use right away when they stop going to meetings. They just stop going for other reasons. Oh, I don't like that drama there. I'm going to stop going. Uh, you know, I don't need that anymore. I got three months now, whatever. And that person doesn't hear about all the people who relapsed, came back, right? Because that's where you hear it in the meeting, right? right? right when they right, come right. back in, they talk about, oh, I stopped going to meetings and then I used. So you hear that in people's stories. And this is for the person who just stops coming and doesn't get to hear that story, that fresh reminder anymore. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I like it. Uh, even if it's not that useful, I just like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I'm, I'm giving it a thumbs down. Uh, so this version says to keep what you have, you have to give it away. But I would say, you know, give it away to keep it is what we usually hear or say. Give it away to keep it. I don't know. I, the, I just go to sex jokes with this one, honestly. <laughs> like, come on, girl. You got to give it away. You want to keep it? Like, I, I don't know why. What, what would they be trying to keep in that scenario? Uh, I guess you don't want it to fall off. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I, it just sounds like a good sex uh, innuendo for me. I don't. Most of them do. <laughs> but yeah, I give it away to keep it. So I I get the sense of this as a guy who sponsored people and and still does. Um, when I teach somebody something, whether this is in the program or not it reinforces it for me, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's a reminder of what I need to do, like, hey, sponsee, go to meetings, work the steps, like do these things. And I'm like, oh, shit, I haven't been praying or working my steps. Maybe I should, right? Or whether it's when I am when I attempt to or when I'm able to teach somebody information. They say, there's an old cliche about that outside of the rooms too, like when you're able to teach it, you actually understand the information, right? Like that's the true definition of, learning something is once you're able to teach it to somebody else then you actually have grasped the concept and i think that is very true every time i try to explain something uh and and i've got to really try to get my point across it makes me think through it more when somebody questions me about it and i have to think even more about it like is that true do i also question like all these concepts i feel like help me keep it whatever it is um and so in that sense i would say yes you have to give it away to keep it I don't know about universally. Like, I don't know that giving away money keeps money or like that doesn't really make sense. Mm-mm. I can't give away my house and keep my house. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. In order for this to be more universal, it probably needs to qualify what it is. Do you think it's always true? And I mean, that's a bad question because usually things are never always true. But what do you like? No, I think there are definitely people who, well, it dep- again, it depends on what it is. What are they keeping or having in what the absence of giving it away? What is it? So giving it away <laughs> to keep it, you have to give away your recovery 
to keep your recovery. Is that what it is? I don't know. Is it recovery? The first, it to me, I've always interpreted as giving away uh, your your help, right? Like being of assistance to other people. Then you're not keeping your help or your assistance. You're keeping your recovery. So the it's the, the it's are different. The it's are different a little bit. I think are they? I that mean, would make no sense. That's not so, grammatically so probably correct. the most most logical is you have to give away your recovery to keep your recovery, or you have to give away your well being to keep your well being. But I it, like that one less than the recovery <laughs> one. <laughs> it implies that you need to help other people. There's, there's a, I think there's another saying about like helping people. The best way to help people help people. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a new cliche I just made? Um, the best way to get outside of your problems is to help someone else. Hmm. I think it's. Is it? I feel like it's telling. It's cult. It's back to the cult. If you don't participate in this cult, you will lose it. That's that's the general idea. You have to show up and do your twelve step stuff. Get back, right? And if you don't continue to do that forever, (laughs) then you'll lose it. It's a very. It's like a fear tactic. I can. See that. Yeah, I I've don't know. Never if that's really what viewed it, it that way before. But getting back to it's the, how cults work, you don't the, see them when they're happening. Is it always true? No, I think there are definitely people who have been able to maintain some level of recovery and abstinence, abstinence and some level of recovery without being of service. Because that's how I interpret the it. The giving it away is being of service in my mind. Hmm. You have to be of service to keep your recovery. And so I'm thinking back to my early time before I ended up relapsing and coming back. And I feel like I heard a lot of good stuff. Knew some recovery stuff, right? I mean, I was working steps. I had a sponsor. I was going to meetings. I was sharing meetings and I was able to give away good information, but I ultimately relapsed because I didn't have a a very good concept or understanding of my higher power or relationship with it, right? So I don't know if that works against this statement. Like I was able to give away something, right? Useful recovery information, but I was not able to keep my recovery and, and being of service in that form. I was just kind of giving this information away, and then I lost it anyway. Yeah, I guess. Well, it doesn't say you have to give it away and you will keep it. It just says you have to give it away to keep it. Like, this is one requirement for keeping it. Yeah, that's true. And I've never really viewed it as giving away information, but more giving away help and assistance. And I would question whether with however many months clean – and some recovery knowledge that it sounds like maybe you weren't entirely applying, that just dumping that on a meeting is truly giving it away. Well, I was looking at it as being of service, uh, you know, showing the, uh, up to yeah. share when I was asked. Yeah. Why are, does motive matter, though? Probably. Yeah, because if I'm showing up to share because it's going to make me look good or cool... Yes. And it's feeding my ego. That's still why I show up to share. (laughs) That's certainly not the same as doing it because I know it's what I should do and I'm trying to be of service. It's right there in the speaker's prayer. 
make me look good? God, let me be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't do that prayer. Damn. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, no. Look, I was I misguided. Yes, was I completely? Uh, well, I, I might have been a pretty big douche to some people, but I, I wasn't a complete douche. Like, I mean, I had a service commitment in my home group. Like, I was still showing up and trying my best. Made some mistakes that helped me feel a lot of shame and kind of separated me from my recovery network a good bit. But I feel like I was still trying to show up and be of service to the best of my ability for recovery. And it just didn't feel like I kept it when I did. Um, I don't think I was there thinking, oh my God, I hope I sound great. I was probably thinking if I sound bad here, it will reinforce the self-hatred and self-worthlessness that I have. So yeah, there probably was like a really strong desire to sound good, but it had, it wasn't about being a great person. It was just about not hating myself. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I felt really vulnerable saying all that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was deep. I think that was deeper than we probably needed to go Ooh, here. But yeah. <laughs> uh, So give it away to keep it. I mean, I, I, I think know. your point is that it's, not a, it, it, it's not a guarantee giving Definitely. it away doesn't guarantee you're going to keep it is is really valid here especially based on the story you just told yeah being yeah. of service is a critical part of 12-step recovery yeah and and i think maybe and, and maybe giving it away is even a little more than just being a service maybe it's being a part of right because all the aspects of giving it away make us more included and a part of the recovery fellowship right when i'm showing up to be a service when i'm helping somebody out when i'm answering the phone you know late at night like all these ways that i be of selfless service make me feel included and make me feel better about myself yes and so all that helps me to keep it but it is not a surefire like just give it away and you'll be fine right and i think it's definitely possible to come in and be a part of and not do anything in terms of giving it away at least in some areas at some times like i definitely can think of the people who would like come out to eat after the meeting every week and they were definitely a part of but they you know are showing up to their home group three minutes before it starts and like not helping shut things down after and don't have a server you know what i mean like i think it's possible to be a part of without being of service they're the people that ordered a 23 dollar crab cake right and then when the check comes around they put in 19 dollars. like not only don't tip <laughs> they don't even put in the 23 for the fucking crab cake never look to see the soda they ordered right or the, or the, maybe they got chocolate like three chocolate milks which aren't refillable they don't look at that like yeah those people drive me crazy that happens a lot i just get separate checks yeah, I think that we've moved in that direction. I think a long time ago that wasn't as much of a thing. Uh, separate checks is definitely a thing. And and that's why, honestly, yeah. because too many people were like that. Because I'm the guy who's like, let's not do separate checks if we love each other. Like, let's just fucking put our money in. Like, I'm not, I don't mind if my meal costs $23 putting in 35 or 40 to leave a nice tip. And because I just like, I had a good time tonight. Like, it was worth this to me. Um, but yeah, when I end up around people who are not living that way and I'm not, I feel like I got to put in even more for the nice tip, right? Then right. I'm like, then yeah, I get no. better. No. Resentful. Yeah. I don't know. So go give it away, people, so you can possibly keep it. Maybe. 
Maybe. Possibly. And go to some meetings. Yeah. And make meetings. And you might uh, make it. And, and learn to listen because that's important. And, and follow the suggestions because they're simple. And while you're at the meeting making it, you can hear what happens to people that don't go to meetings. There you go. <laughs> and uh, you know what? Don't be a complicated person, right? And just follow this simple program. And then the ultimate advice, if you just keep getting high like once a week, you can remain the ultimate newcomer and always be the most important person <laughs> at the meeting. That's bad advice. Ba-boom-tsh. That is terrible advice. Yeah. Do not do that. Don't do that. If it's not working for your life. Don't do it. It won't work for your life. <laughs> All right. Anything else about the cliches? No, I don't think so. I have to say, so my mom listened. Okay. My mom listened to the podcast, that the last one that I did, because I had posted it on Facebook. <laughs> and she was really disappointed that you and Billy were talking so much. She thought, <laughs> I was like, well, it's a it's a podcast. It's, it's a conversation. She's like, oh, I thought it was going to be like a, a TED Talk. Oh. <laughs> So my mom really thinks I'm fancy. Oh, yeah. Get you on a TED Talk. I mean, so a lot of the other podcasts are like that. I just, I don't want this one to be like that. Like a TED Talk? No, they're like a share. Oh. Like a meeting share. Yeah. No, we can hear that at meetings. Right? This is much better. So it's slightly different. Like they'll kind of sort of interview like every 10 minutes they'll ask a question. That just seems like the natural thing the person would have shared next anyway. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. No, I like the conversation. Yeah. The conversation is what really gets to the to the meat of stuff. Right. And if I, I just had it. people on yeah, the share, I, I wouldn't get to talk. Do like a monologue. <laughs> scripted monologue. Romeo oh Romeo. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's it's totally, totally off topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I, my only experience with monologues is Shakespeare. Sorry. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay, so uh, everybody have a good week. Um, reach out with cliches you love or hate. Uh, we have a quite a long, lengthy list. If we, you know, next year when we do part three next June um, or July, whatever the hell it is. Uh, so reach out, do that kind of stuff. Um, look us up, and we'll see you next week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. <laughs>